The only way to beat addiction is to become someone who isn't addicted. What do I mean by that? If you slay all the dragons that you've been running away from, there's no need to run anymore. Welcome to the Ignited Recovery Podcast, a new way forward for anyone looking for answers but feeling left out. If you've been searching for empowerment, triumph, and purpose, you've found them right here. You won't hear the same solutions and you're not going to have any excuses to fall back on because Ignited Recovery allows heroes to rise and become their best selves. I'm Dr. Adi Jaffe and I can't wait to be your guide on this journey. Are you ready to become an Ignited Hero? I have this thing that happens in my head all the time and it pretty much tells me, unless I'm doing some serious work, that uh, I'm never doing enough and that my efforts aren't paying off. And it's pretty consistent and constant, right? Like I could work for 12 hours, which I normally do if you consider everything I do, right? So like I'll wake up before 6 to get ready, go work out and be done at 6. So 12-hour day. Uh, and as soon as I watch 30 minutes of TV with Sophie, my brain's screaming out at me, you're being lazy, what are you doing? You know, look at Gary Vee and all these guys that apparently take 5 a.m. meetings and work till 11 p.m. You're a lazy bum, idiot. You know, I've started a company, I started Ignited and the podcast and all this stuff in like three or four months, got it all going out of uh, out of nothing, out of thin air. My mind's telling me, yep, it's never really gonna make it though, right? That's like that little voice that's in the back of my head. Um, I work out pretty much every day at six o'clock, like I said. And then there's that one morning that I wake up and I hit snooze and I go, I'm not going to do it today. And my head's like, you see, I told you you're a bum. Or as tends to happen, maybe a couple of times a day, if I'm honest about it, I could put everything I have into my clients and get these wonderful emails from them about all the changes they're going through. And then somebody leaves a shitty comment on Facebook and I'm into a shame spire like, Nobody believes in what I do and it's going to suck forever. I'm tearing up a little bit as I'm saying that actually. Um, I don't know if anything like that's ever happened to you. But there's that part of me. There's that part to my mind that does that um, all the time and it plays tricks. And the thing is that based on how I grew up, my message, like the follow-up message in my head is always the same, which is I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not going to be enough. Nothing's going to change that. And because of where I came from, I used to think that the answer to that was just working harder. Like, okay, then let me wake up at five and work until nine and that'll fix it. But the thing is that I was wrong and I've known that I was wrong for a few years. I've done work on this area for the last five, six, seven years of my life, maybe a little more, eight. So I want to break down for you guys today how I learned that that was different, that the answer is actually different and hopefully that'll help you. All right, you game? Sounds good. Okay, so first thing you need to understand is the monster that's chasing you keeps getting you to take actions that'll feed on what makes it the monster stronger, not you. I'm going to say that again. The monster that's chasing you keeps making move in direction that feeds it and makes it stronger, not you. What do I mean with that? The way you think of dealing with the problem, like that thing I just told you about of, you know, I'll just work more and work harder. It comes from the same learning that the problem comes from. So like I grew up in a household where my dad just worked all the time. He was actually always gone. The idea for me was a man that cares about his family, works, works, works all the time. My dad had three and a half jobs. I literally, I've told you guys this before, but I saw him like for half a day once a week. Uh, And my head tells me that's what a man who cares about his family does. Forget the fact that I was also really heavily affected by the fact that he just wasn't home ever, right? That 
messed me up for years. And I know I'm doing that to my kids if I work all the time. But when I look for an answer for that voice that tells me I'm lazy, it's coming from that same place. You know, in a messed up way, that means that your bad habits actually serve the benefit of their original purpose, not your current need. What do I mean by that? Like, you don't think you're enough? Well, maybe you go on Instagram and you scroll to look at people that are more successful than you. Anybody have that, right? You're like, half the accounts you have are people that you wish you were like. Um, Always feel awkward around other people. Maybe you find yourself eating a bunch of food, isolating and eating, 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 eating. You end up gaining weight. That makes you even more awkward. Or maybe um, you don't eat in front of people because you binge so much at home. So that even makes you more awkward, right? You, The awkwardness around other people makes you act in ways that supports that awkwardness. Ever feel poor? Ever feel like you don't have money? How often does that lead you, I'm guilty of this every once in a while, looking at other people's Instagram accounts, magazines, whatever, things you don't have, and you call it inspiration, right? You're like, I'm just looking to get inspired. But really, it's a way to feel like crap about the things that you don't have now, and maybe, if you're like I used to be at least, feel like you could never have. And then this is one that I think a lot of people experience, like feeling ugly or like you're not enough vanity-wise, like look, maybe you go on like a four-hour deep dive into Kardashian land and plastic surgery and people that look like you think you need to look like, right? So again, you're that monster, that vanity monster is chasing you saying you're not enough, you don't look like you're supposed to, you don't look good enough for other people. And what it does is show you more evidence of that. It just has you go into the spiral and it creates a shame spiral for you that actually just makes everything works, makes nothing better, but now you just spent a bunch of time in it. So what happens is you get stuck. You know, like the overworking thing in my life, I'll tell you where it got me was, you know, I was at the point where I was working five jobs. I was uh, in my postdoc. I was seeing clients at a clinic in uh, West LA here. I was teaching in two places, UCLA and Cal State Long Beach, and I had a couple of private clients. That's five jobs. I was working 70 to 80 hour weeks. I was definitely supporting the family, and I was repeating that old story of you got to never be home and always be working if you care about your people, but I was overworked. I was sick and stressed. I have a, I get cold sores, and I was getting them like every month. I was having to take a lot of medication to deal with that because my immune system was shot. I just did a stress, chronic stress episode. This is where I learned about chronic stress, people, was I was literally working 70 to 80 hour weeks over and over. And I was sick, overworked, overstressed, and my relationship was dying, which is not all that different than what I saw in my own house, right? My dad was never home. It almost made their relationship crumble. My relationship was going through the same thing. So again, feeding your monster what it wants is feeding the problem, not the solution. Now, here's the second point. Eating the right foods for you and no longer feeding the monster is not that easy on the front end. How many of you have tried to eat healthily for the first time ever in your life? Not that simple, right? First of all, monsters get really mean when they're hungry. So when you start creating change, you might find yourself craving the old coping methods more and more and more. Lacey Phillips, who we had on the podcast a long time ago, says that, you know, your reality, your uh, current way of looking at the world will test you. It'll send you little tests. Uh, And I think that's such an interesting way to look at it, right? As you start trying to create change, this other voice that you've been carrying around with you for a while will go, yeah, fuck those people. doesn't matter. You get to eat a little bit. Have a cake. Have some cake, come on, right? Have you ever had that? It just says that in the back of your head. Especially the more you starve it, the more uncomfortable it makes you and makes you want to act back into the old habits that you've done. And so the thing is that when you haven't learned how to feed yourself really, really well, you don't necessarily always know what's good for you. How many people do you know? I I used to know vegans. I still know some. But I used to know vegans who literally would like 
chow down on Oreos and vegan chips. So they were vegan, but they were eating so much less healthily than other people I knew who were not at all plant-based. Why? Because they knew, they had heard animal products are bad or they decided that they wanted to be vegans, but they had no idea how to actually be healthy. And so they were making one mistake instead of another. Uh, like another example is this. We all know that drinking water is really good for us, right? I know it. You know it. If you haven't heard it yet, then uh, you need to take your head out of your ass and uh, and crawl out from under whatever rock you live in. We all know drinking water is good for us. But if you've been drinking soda or a lot of alcohol or things that are really flavored and, and loaded up with sugar or whatnot, drinking water can seem boring. So you know it's good for you and then you do it. And unless you're really, really thirsty, you go, oh, this kind of sucks, when you haven't done and you haven't learned how to feed yourself well, feeding that monster seems like the automatic piece of the puzzle. And to me, this is where doing some really deep environmental influence detox is kind of what I call it is crucial because then you can start listening to your internal compass and you're not falling prey to all those triggers that are coming out from all over the place. So I'll give you like little advice that I've, um, I give a lot of my clients, for instance, right? Like some of my clients who, let's say, struggle with drinking and alcohol, I tell them, go load up your fridge with things you like drinking that are better than it. And yes, I would rather have my clients drink a bunch of, let's say, diet Coke than the amount of alcohol that they're struggling with. And what I say is load up the fridge with it. LaCroix, yes, diet Coke, if you want it, uh, ginger beer, whatever the thing is, ginger beer has no alcohol, by the way, kombucha, whatever it is that you like, right? That's the point. Load up your fridge so much that when you open the fridge, you get excited because you see something that you like, not a void, right? Not nothing, not uh, an empty fridge because you took all the alcohol out. That doesn't really help so much as loading it up with something that you like. I say the same thing around social media, right? If you are doing those things that I said before, get rid of those accounts, First of all, stop following the Kardashians. There's no reason, unless you are going to put millions of dollars into plastic surgery to make yourself look like that, and then eventually decide that you're gonna only live in a way that um, kind of satisfies the rest of the world, then leave it alone. Just leave it alone, right? You're feeding into that information over and over and over. You're feeding that monster of vanity and lack of self-worth and needing more and scarcity and all that kind of stuff. Now, here's the magic. Yes, the work is not that easy on the front end. You have to learn what you like. A lot of times we don't know that. We'll do a lot more stuff on getting silent and meditation and mindfulness and paying attention to your inner voice and all that. And that is wonderful, but you, you got to clear up the space for that, right? So you, you have to get rid of some of those environmental influences that are keeping you back. And then you start listening to yourself for the things that feel good. But here's why I love doing this work, even though it can be hard on the front end. Killing the monster that you're running away from means never having to deal with it again. Now, what do I mean by that? There's this trend happening right now in the alcohol world, in the um, sober, in the recovery world, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of people are on this kind of alcohol is bad, so you shouldn't want to drink it anyway kick. I don't want to name specific names. Some of these people are people that are, I actually know well, but they're on this thing of like, hey, did you know that alcohol is really toxic for you? So it doesn't matter if you eat really healthily and drink all your green juices and go to yoga, that doesn't make alcohol less toxic. Stop fooling yourself. To me, that's like the new version. It's like the new and improved version of the Just Say No campaign, right? Nobody's drinking because alcohol is good for them, especially not at a problematic level. Like I've never met a client who goes, no, no, you know what? Like drinking a bottle and a half to two bottles of wine is self-care. No, they know that they're drinking a lot and that their liver struggles with it. We all know it's like people that know that smoking cigarettes is bad. Now, here's the thing. Making alcohol a bad thing might stop you from drinking. Like if you can persuade your head that alcohol is an evil, evil thing to do, 
right? And that's where a lot of this work happens in some parts of the field. You might stop drinking in the same way that you don't go and drink battery acid or you don't go drink bleach because you know that drinking is bad for you. If you can get your brain to think of alcohol as a really bad thing, you might stop drinking, but it doesn't address the need because of which you're drinking. Does that make sense? Even if you think alcohol is terrible, you might stop drinking, but then you still have the need. So I always tell people that the only way to really beat addiction is to become somebody who isn't addicted. Again, the only way to beat addiction is to become someone who isn't addicted. What do I mean by that? If you slay all the dragons that you've been running away from, there's no need to run anymore. Not to alcohol, not to porn, not to food, not to drugs. That's when you've made yourself somebody who isn't addicted anymore. You're pretty much kind of cured. I want to be clear, you're cured from the demons, from the monsters who are pushing you towards this unhealthy behavior, behavior you learned earlier on, right? Like earlier on, you learn that you are socially anxious and you get, I'm totally talking about myself right now, when you try to talk to girls, you get really conscious and you conscientious and you think to yourself, they're never going to like me and you get really weird uh, and you stammer and you, you don't really act like yourself. And then somebody introduces you to alcohol and you go, oh my God, when I drink, I don't care that much about what the girls are thinking about me. Now, here's the thing. I don't anymore think that I'm better when I'm sober around girls, but I found a tool and that tool over time becomes the monster. So when you get rid of the monsters, you don't need to run to anything anymore because now you've actually addressed the issue, right? Like you dealt with your self-confidence issues. You dealt with your I'm not enough issues. You dealt with I'm ugly issues, whatever that is, right? Once you deal with those, you're you're cured of running away from the monster. So the alcohol, the drugs, all the things, they just don't matter as much. Now, if you've ever done my 21-day habit reset or anything like that, there might still be habits you need to kick. Yes, that is true. And then I want to be clear about one other thing, right? When you get rid of the monsters, it doesn't mean you'll never have problems again. Life is still going to happen. Stress is still going to happen. Anxiety is still going to happen. You're going to have shitty days and you're going to have great days. But if you don't have a consistent monster to run away from, there's a huge amount of space that clears up in your head to be able to live your best self. And when you start looking at life in that way, I'm not running away from dragons and, and monsters anymore. I'm running towards them to kill them. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignited Heroes Recovery Podcast. I really hope you found the information here useful and that we'll see you back here next week. And look, I want to make sure that this podcast is the most useful it can be for you so please let me know by emailing info at ignited.com if there are any specific topics or questions you'd like to have addressed. As usual, if you like this episode, I would love for you to leave us a five-star review and rating. Thanks, and see you next week.